Good morning. I want to welcome you to Memorial United Methodist. My name is Joe Cade. I'm the minister here. So grateful that y'all are here. If you're a visitor today, we're um, happy to have you. Um, we have uh, sermons printed off in the back if you're hard of hearing. Um, we have restrooms in the back if you uh, need one. And we have a number of people um, who can show you around the church if you'd like to know more. Just come up to any one of us and uh, say that you'd like to know more about Memorial, and we'll be happy to tell you. Um, New Year is kicking off, and so all of our stuff is kicking off. I'll tell you um, very quickly, uh, the dinner, our first Wednesday dinner, will be this Wednesday. It will be in the social hall, because basketball is in the FLC, um, because uh, First Pres is totally redoing their whole campus, just about, and everything is in their gym while they do that. And so they are um, practicing in our church on Wednesday nights, and so our Meal will be in the social hall. It worked well last month. Um, it's uh, intimate is the word I'll use. Uh, we were able to uh, talk to one another easily. And so if you will, when the attendance register goes by, if you would like to come to the dinner, if you would put dinner out from your name and put a number um, so that we can give Sheila Springfield a great um, uh, count for the meal when she guesses it's hard. If you would like a poinsettia, we ask that you please take them today. They'll be uh, removed from the worship space today, and so you are free to take as many as you like. Thank you so much for contributing uh, to having them. Sunday night program starts again next Sunday night at 5 p.m. Um, the children will eat, children and youth will eat at um, 5, and then they'll have, uh, kids will have missions and music. Uh, the youth will be entirely focused on Sunday night. Um, they won't meet on Wednesdays in the second semester. Uh, in this spring semester so that all of our programming for children and youth lines up um, together. So exclusively on Sunday nights uh, with the youth. And then um, adult Bible studies will start with Bob and Bobby McQuaid, two entirely different uh, people and personalities, ministers that are um, passionate, that are knowledgeable, that talk about very relevant topics. Um, we'll start next Sunday night in the social hall. Um, Redbird Mission Prep is underway, and Daryl Rishforth is the contact for that. If you're interested, if you heard about it at one of our Wednesday meals and you would like to participate, Daryl is out of town today, um, but you can track him down, and he'll, uh, we'll be saying much more about it, but I just want you to be aware of it. Please note the event for Kim Doby, one of our members and an educator in our community for years, is having an event at Fairview Baptist in which proceeds of a meal will go um, to help her um, uh, I believe with a generator at her home. Um, note that in your bulletin uh, so that you have it. I believe that is all of our announcements. Happy New Year. Let's begin our worship service. sing, repeat what I sing. What I'd like to do is the congregation please stand. 
and have the hymn ready, and we'll go right from the introit this morning right into the introduction to the hymn.
Let us now affirm our faith with the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. The third day he rose from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Please be seated. I invite our children forward for the children's sermon. Good morning. How is everybody? Did y'all have a good Christmas and a happy new year? Well, we're talking about something these next few Sundays in January in both of our services and on Sunday nights when we get together. And it kind of ties in a little bit with the new year. We're talking about promises that the church makes to kids just like you when you're baptized or when you join the church. Did you know that the church does that? Makes promises? We're going to talk about that. Pastor Joe is going to talk about that in a few minutes. And we're going to build on it until the last Sunday of this month when we have the children's Sabbath. And so when it's the new year, what do people make that are promises? Do you make any resolutions? No? Well, sometimes people make promises in the new year. And... A promise and a resolution are kind of the same thing. Maybe you're going to do something, maybe for yourself or for someone else you're making a promise. And the church does the same thing for us. They promise to support us in a couple different ways. And those ways are by their prayers, by their presence, by their gifts, by their service. And a new one that we've added is by their witness. So we're going to learn about that and see what the church promises us and what we can do in return. Does that sound good? Okay. Will you pray with me this morning? Repeat after me. Dear God, thank you for the promises the congregation makes to us and help us to learn how we can uphold our end of those promises. In your name we pray. Amen. Sages stand to reign in 
As we turn our hearts and minds to prayer, I want you to consider uh, the family, the community, the church, an overreaching element of, uh, of this community that is uh, touched by the loss of Conrad Robertson. Conrad uh, died peacefully yesterday morning, early yesterday morning, and his service will be tomorrow at 3 p.m. here in the sanctuary. There'll be a 90-minute um, visitation with the family prior to the service, but it ends in time for the family to have uh, time for themselves, with themselves. Uh, so make sure that you come early. Uh, I think it's going to be, um, I mean, Conrad and Beanie have defined the greater part of my first six months here in terms of pastoral care, and um, it, it's going to be meaningful, it's going to be powerful, but it's going to be hard uh, tomorrow. And we encourage you to be here if you're able uh, to support this loving community as we celebrate the life of uh, Conrad Robertson. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, you are with us in the midst of life, and you are with us in the midst of death, and everything in between. And at times when we pray to you, we are asking for stuff. And at times we've waited far too long and we're far too broken and we feel you cannot help. Would we ask that you help us to pray to you to understand your will, to understand your purpose for this world, to understand that you loved us before we turned to you, you created before we were born, and that you are present in the circle of life that causes death. Help us this morning, Lord, to hear the Scripture, to make the prayers and verses our own, that when we gather at your table, of which you have invited us, despite what we have done and despite what we have not done, despite what we've said, despite what we have not said. Help us, Lord, to understand your hospitality and your desperate desire for us to turn to you. Inspire us this morning, Lord, as we pray the prayer you taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever. Amen. It's now time for our tithes and other offerings, and if you will pass the attendance register, and if you will sign up for the meal if you plan to come.
I invite you to turn to page 1504 in your pew Bible. We'll be looking at Matthew chapter 6, verse 5. As Katie mentioned, the culmination of this month on the 31st will be a combined service in the Family Life Center, and it will be celebrating children and youth. And so as we were looking at this month a couple months back, we thought, what are the ways that we can celebrate them throughout all of January? And I thought we could use the liturgy, the words from the liturgy that we used only last week um, with the baptism and a new member um, in which you say the, the person joining and the community affirming both say we're going to celebrate this church, we're going to support this effort by giving our prayers, our presence, our gifts, our service, and our witness. So each week we're going to talk about one of those words um, with the culmination being witness in the Family Life Center at 10 a.m. on the 31st. Matthew chapter 6, starting with verse 5. And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. The Word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So when Jesus is setting the tone in the Sermon on the Mount of saying, this is the way we're going to believe, this is the way we're going to act, this is the way we're going to speak, all in these ways to celebrate God, both you people who have been in the synagogue your whole life, it's going to be a little different. And those of you who haven't darkened the doors because you've been told that you, don't, you can't, well, it's going to be a little different for you too. And the way it's going to be different is we're going to celebrate each of these things individually. And in the midst of that talk, in the midst of the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus addresses prayer and he says, when you pray, don't be like those hypocrites who just keep going on and on. Now, does a prayer that has a certain link to it mean that it is not authentic? No. Is a prayer that's short an indicator that it's not authentic? Mm -mm. But Jesus is talking about people who are just sort of going on and on so that people notice. He says they receive their reward. Well, what is that? Well, if their goal was for people to notice, well, people have noticed. Your prayer's done. Thanks. Now, it's complicated. 
Because sometimes you think in this moment, for whatever moment it is, for this setting, for whatever setting it is, it needs to be a certain type of prayer. I remember being entirely intimidated praying in seminary. I went straight from undergraduate to seminary. I was 22. And in many cases, those people who were interested in ministry had gone to religious colleges and had prayed quite frequently. They had studied scripture heavily. I went to a college that helped me get through college. But we didn't pray frequently, I would say, at the Citadel. And not only did we not pray frequently, I heard many, many um, things that weren't prayerful. At times I would say things that weren't prayerful. And so I went from this environment all the way to this environment. And it was intimidating. And there were times when people would pray in class and I'd go, whoa. And there were times I was a student pastor, so I started immediately in church while I was in seminary. And so I'm certain some of those prayers, I said, um, Dear Lord, I'm glad that we're here. Amen. <laughs> Something, let's get out of here. That sense of intimidation of prayer. But he says, Don't do it so people notice. Step out of the spotlight. Verse 7 says, And when you pray, do not keep babbling on like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. That's fascinating to me because I, I always think about it in terms of parents and children. If God is our Father and we are made in the image of God, I think it's fair to look at the dynamics of parents and children And if a child comes and they have some flowing words for you or for what's going on before they ask for something, you know that something's coming. And the phrase that I used in 9 o'clock, I put it up on the screen, is, I know that you know that I know what you're going to ask. Okay? There aren't any new ideas that you're coming up with, especially when it's bedtime. When it's bedtime and you come out and you speak in flowing words about how amazing we are, how amazing this day was, yeah, I I got a sense of what you're going to ask. The philosophy of our family is not complicated and it doesn't change. And the philosophy of God and God's people is not complicated and it doesn't change. It's whether human beings want to participate in the promise that God has already established. So he starts off by saying, don't do this. That's the way he leads off with, this is how you should pray. Then he says, do this. This then is how you should pray. Our father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now, how often do we say that? Pretty frequently. How often do you pick it apart and realize what you're saying? We you say, hallowed be your name, you're talking about setting God apart, separate from all things. From all things that we see, your name is set apart. Set apart to the level that the people of the Old Testament, the faithful religious people of the Old Testament, wouldn't even speak God's name because God was so set apart from the human experience. They would say words that were like God, but not the word God. Now we've sort of gotten away from that, haven't we? We say it quite frequently in holy and unholy ways. We use the name of God. When we say, hallowed be your name, your name be separate above all others. Your will be done. Your kingdom come. What does that mean? Well, what's great about heaven? What would you guess is great about heaven? Probably a number of the things that make this human life difficult are separated from us. But would we say, I'm going to be good and I'm going to pay attention and I'm going to pray and I'm going to impact people's lives once we're in heaven when it's easier? No. He says, your kingdom come here, now. With what we're doing right now. In this church, in the workplace, on the roads, in the department stores, your kingdom come now. With what we're doing and what we're saying, and what we're praying. Now imagine if the child came to the parent and said, Father, 
whatever you want. I want your philosophy to be the guiding force in what I'm doing before they ever said anything. How would the parent respond? What? <laughs> what? If, if you say your name is set apart and your will be done above all others and your kingdom come before you ever say anything else, how does that impact the rest of your prayer? Can you truly say those words and then say, now give me stuff. Give me the stuff that I want, when I want it, how I want it. You can't. That's why that prayer starts that way. Setting God apart and making God the focus. Verse 11 says, give us today our daily bread. And the underlying line there that's not there in the scripture is, because our tendency is to be like the man with the storehouse. In the parable when the guy was the farmer and he had a great storehouse and he had a great crop and it exceeded even what the storehouse was and his thought was what? Dude, I need an even bigger storehouse. I got to store even more. Nope. When so much of scripture talks about work hard, create the field, get what you need, leave some for the others so that they may have it in my name. He says, give us today our daily bread. Help sustain us in this moment right now. And forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. You know, we, we would love to be forgiven. We struggle to forgive. The best example is another parable in which a uh, um, wealthy man decided, you know what, I'm going to take up all the money I've loaned to everybody. And he says, all of you who owe me money, bring it on in. And a guy who owes more than he could possibly give back comes and says, please, I, I promise I'm going to pay you all back in the time that I have, which is not enough time. That wealthy man says, you know what, I'm going to forgive it all. So the posture of this man uh, who owed the money going into the building is like this. What's the posture of the man going out of the building? Like this. He sees a friend on the stairs who owes him $5 and chokes him for it. And says, give me my money. Isn't that hard? Doesn't that capture the human condition? You know, I need forgiveness, but I'm going to struggle to forgive anybody else. Or, I forgive, but I don't what? Oh, I'm not forgetting. <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> Tell me how that works out for you. Tell me how that goes when you forgive, but really hold on to all the memories of it. He says, forgive us our debts. Start with us. We'll forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Why do we have to avoid temptation? Why is that such a thing with us? Well, because we love shiny, unhealthy expensive things that will harm us. We love them. The more expensive, the more shiny, the more cholesterol, bring it on. We've got to have it. Why? Well, it helps numb us from the pain we feel more than likely about a lack of forgiveness. We haven't been forgiven or we haven't forgiven. Or a desperate desire to have a little bit more. See, it all builds off, each, off itself. So he says, please lead us not to temptation because we love shiny, unhealthy, cholesterol-filled things that will harm us. So um, I forget when I heard of Abraham Maslow, but he's a humanistic psychologist. Humanistic psychologist uh, was created about his time when he said, you know what, I think people who are truly mentally unstable are the only ones receiving um, psychological assistance. What if we reach out to people who are just a little step away and help them make up that step? And this is what he said. The fact is that people are good. Give people affection and security and they will give affection and be secure in their feelings and their behavior. Give people affection and security and they will give affection and be secure in their feelings and their behavior. How does that impact our philosophy here at Memorial with our children and our youth? Well, if our children and our youth are not secure and they are not given affection over the top, then they're going to be taught to keep it in. 
to not share it, to feel that pain, and to want shiny, unhealthy, cholesterol-filled things that will harm them. If they're taught to express it, to be real with their friends, to have an open, supportive group, we can truly impact their lives. Maslow had a hierarchy of needs that's a pyramid. You can go home and Google it. And it talks about um, safety and security, food and water, love and acceptance, okay? The opportunity to thrive, to survive, seeking self-actualization. None of these things can happen without the sense of security, love, and purpose from the church. So when you make that pledge at a baptism or when a new member comes that you will support them by your prayers, how are you praying for them? I'll ask you. We struggle, don't we? We struggle to pray for ourselves, much less other people. I want you to think about the ways throughout this month that you can pray for our children and youth of this church that they may feel safe and they may feel secure. Because I can assure you that that's part of God's will. That's part of God's kingdom coming to memorial and being present. That's part of God's living out in this church. Verse 14 says, For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. That's real, isn't it? What can we pray for here? What kind of environment can we pray for for our children and our youth? And how can we get up from our seats and participate in the leadership of our children and youth so that they know exactly how much God loves them so that they can have affection and security so that they'll be secure in their feelings and their behaviors so that they'll be leaders in this church. People have asked me for six months now, what's it like at Memorial? What do you think I've said? It's a total hassle, but it's a paycheck. (laughs) No. No. I say it feels like home. I say they've got a church in the middle of a thriving downtown. They've got two great spaces. They've got a great leadership group here. And all their children have come back. And they're all great leaders, not only here, but in the community. So many churches have this level, right? Churches are really struggling to thrive at this level, having the children come back. What do you think is essential in that process to have this generation come? I hope you will pray for them as I pray for them throughout the week. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Help us, Lord, to reach out to your children and youth. Help us to pray for them and help us to truly impact their lives this year. Amen. If you'll turn to page 12 in your hymnal for our Holy Communion liturgy. Christ our Lord invites to his table all who love him, who earnestly repent of their sin and seek to live in peace with one another. Therefore, let us confess our sin before God and one another. Merciful God, we confess that we have not loved you with our whole heart. We have failed to be an obedient church. We have not done your will. We have broken your law. We have rebelled against your love. We have not loved our neighbors. And we have not heard the cry of the needy. Forgive us, we pray. Free us for joyful obedience. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Hear the good news. Christ died for us while we were yet sinners. That proves God's love toward us. In the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. 
Glory to God. Amen. If you'll look now at the great thanksgiving. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. We lift them up to the Lord. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right and a good and joyful thing always and everywhere to give thanks to you, Father Almighty, Creator of heaven and earth. And so with your people on earth and all the company of heaven, we praise your name and join their unending hymn. Holy, holy, holy Lord, God of power and might, heaven and earth are full of your glory. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Holy are you and blessed is your Son, Jesus Christ. By the baptism of his suffering, death, and resurrection, you gave birth to your church, delivered us from slavery to sin and death, and made with us a new covenant by water and the Spirit. I'm going to call our servers who are going to help us forward. On the night in which he gave himself up for us, he took bread, gave it to his disciples and said, Take and eat. This is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. When the supper was over, he took the cup, gave thanks to you, gave it to his disciples and said, Drink from this, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. And so in remembrance of these your mighty acts in Jesus Christ, we offer ourselves in praise and thanksgiving as a holy and living sacrifice in union with Christ's offering for us as we proclaim the mystery of faith. Christ is Pour out your Holy Spirit on us gathered here and on these gifts of bread and wine, that they may be for us the body and blood of Christ, that we may be for the world the body of Christ redeemed by his blood. By your Spirit make us one with Christ, one with each other, and one in ministry to all the world, until Christ comes in final victory and we feast at his heavenly banquet. Through your Son, Jesus Christ, through the Holy Spirit in your holy church, all honor and glory is yours, Almighty Father, now and forever. In the United Methodist Church, all who want to come forward for Holy Communion are welcome to do so. We will come and kneel. We have certain obstacles today that are beautiful, but obstacles all the same. So we'll have less people um, kneeling each time, if you'll, um, at least on this side. Um, as you come, you'll see on the corner of each one, you'll see gluten-free um, bread. If you would like gluten-free bread, you're welcome to have that. Um, You'll come by the outside. Our ushers will lead you. And um, we'll serve you a piece of bread and a cup. And you may have it. And have a time for prayer and reflection. And then you'll return to your seats by the middle aisle. I'll call the choir first.
We are so grateful for being invited to your table. Your mercy extends anything we can possibly comprehend. Help us, Lord, to be merciful. Help us to pray for one another. Help us to pray that our children and youth may understand your grace offered to them before their action. Amen. Please stand as you're able to sing our final song, number 249. Thank you.